when we eat too much sugar, okay, and these days the average American is eating a lot of sugar, like a hundred times more than we were like a hundred years ago and the rest of human history. It's yeah. like this massive overload of this substrate. What that does is it causes. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Today's episode is a very powerful one because we've created a top masterclass from the best experts that will break down today's theme to help you improve the quality of your life. Are all bodies the same when it comes to how foods, I guess, are consumed and assimilated through the body and the bloodstream and all these different things? Or is everybody different where some nutritional foods might impact positively but negatively in other bodies? What should we be knowing about the body? Yeah, it's a great question. And first of all, I'm a scientist. So I will tell you how you can tell that I'm a scientist is that real scientists tell you we don't know everything, okay? And it's a kind of humility that we have to start with because so often you think about you know scientists being very smart in things. Real scientists spend their time talking about what we, what we don't know not what we do know. Right. So, but you're asking me what we do know. All right. So I'll give you that. <laughs> so I'll give you that answer. Look, um, uh, our bodies are hardwired to be healthy. So when we're growing in our mom's womb, our body, as we're forming our bones and our heart and our organs and our limbs inside the form of the human that's being created, uh, are these health defenses. So you think about the body like a fortress. You know, you've seen, we've all seen it in a medieval fortress, a castle, right? And basically, like, it's a happy community that lives inside there. You got a king, you got a queen, you got a princess, you got everything else going inside there. But that fortress has got to protect itself. So it's designed to repel enemies. It's got a moat. It's got a drawbridge. It's got the little slits you throw, you fire arrows out of. It's got sloping walls so enemies can't crawl up. It's got traps. And by the way, you know, like in a medieval fort, um, the thing that I never realized, having been to quite a few castles, is that when you go into the entrance, there is a hole 
right above you, and mm. it's called a murder hole. And it's really? basically if the if people breach the the drawbridge, they would just drop rocks, boulders oh down gosh. through that hole. All right. So the body is designed better than a medieval castle. Oh. We've got our own defense systems, and there's five of them that I know about, and I helped to kind of put together this picture, partly because I studied the biotechnology. How do you actually treat diseases using these systems? And when you forget about the disease part and you think about the health part, mm. these are the systems, these five systems that maintain our health. So I'll tell you what they are. Okay. First health defense system is called angiogenesis. That's what I study. Blood vessels, a 60,000 mile channel that delivers oxygen and nutrients everywhere. Got to have enough of them um, uh, or your our body is in trouble. So Second, angiogenesis. This is and, the this is the channel of blood vessels, or this is the this is how this this is how the body grows blood vessels. Okay, it is a whole system of growth. Okay, when we have just the right amount of blood vessels, our body is healthy. Mm. Now, are you going to go to work out? All right, you're going to pump some iron. Yeah, you, your your muscles got to grow. Now you need a few more blood vessels. All right, um, if you skin your knee and fall off a bike got to heal that wound underneath that scab you got new blood vessels growing to heal now the body never lets too many blood vessels to grow or causes problems for example cancers are forming in all of our bodies because we're filled with these dividing cells and some of them make mistakes but a microscopic cancer is completely harmless because it doesn't have a blood supply and so our body prevents cancers from growing naturally by controlling the angiogenesis. So we just got enough for our good cells, not enough for the bad cells. So that's one of our health defenses. And there are treatments, including ones that I helped to develop that can cut off the blood supply to cancer by cutting off it, by starving it. So that's called anti-angiogenic therapy. And the same treat, same approach has been used to prevent blindness. All right, so you don't have blood vessels leaking in the eye. However, turns out that sometimes your body needs a little help. So now you can actually use foods to actually amp up your body's angiogenesis defenses. So that's just one of the defenses. Okay, that's the first one. What's the second one? All right, second one is our stem cells, right? So our when we were kids, uh, Lewis, you know, like our grade school teachers told us salamanders can regenerate, starfish can regenerate, but people can't regenerate, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong. You, lose your, you lose your hand, it's not going to grow back. Well, it turns out that people do regenerate. We can't regenerate that quickly, but we and we regenerate from the inside out. Like a lizard can regenerate like a limb or a tail, but we regenerate our organs continuously. Our lung regenerates, our liver regenerates, okay? Uh, the lining of our mouth regenerates. If you've ever eaten a chip, all right, and scratched the inside of your mouth and it hurts, next day, all fixed, right? because of regeneration. All right, now here's the thing. Uh, um, turns out that the way we naturally regenerate is through stem cells. Mm -hmm. Not the kind you go to a strip mall to have injected into your knee, but this is the kind that we're <laughs> born with. Okay. Cause you know, like when, when we were, when you and I were, were like sperm and egg meeting in our mom's womb and dividing. That's what we were. These are stem cells. We were all formed from these primitive cells that could be anything. It could be an eye. It could be a nose. It could be a heart. And they, and they formed our whole body. And, and there's always some overage. Okay. And so you have more than you need to form your, in, in, into a person. 
And when we're born, about 750 million stem cells are left over and they are packed up in a suitcase and stuffed into our bone marrow, all right? And so when we're born, even a little baby, inside their bone marrow, in this hollow of their bones, are 750 million stem cells, and they are stored there like a uh, like bullets in a bandolier, waiting for when they're needed, so that when we grow up and we need to be regenerated, you know, you have too many too much to drink. Now your liver needs to be regenerated. Mm. You cut yourself. Now you need to actually heal that wound. These stem cells come flying out of our bone marrow like bees wow. out of a hive. Wow. To regenerate, renew us from the inside out, and there are biotech efforts that I've been a part of to try to grow new heart, grow new brain, regenerate nerves. Not ready for prime time yet, but it turns out that foods can coax these stem cells out of our bone marrow so we regenerate faster. Huh. Which, which foods? Well, this is the second one, but I'm curious, which foods can help us? There, there, are, there are a number of them. I'll, I'll give you one uh, right from the get-go is dark chocolate. Oh, you're speaking my language now. <laughs> Okay, so dark chocolate. Yeah. Can, you eat, can you eat too much dark chocolate? That's the question. You know, I, I have never seen anything about an overdose of cacao, but I will tell you that cacao has been shown to actually double the number of stem cells flowing in your bloodstream just by having two cups of hot chocolate made with 80% high flavanol chocolate, dark chocolate. Come on. Yeah, it's been done in people 60-year-olds with heart disease. So wait, what happens when you when you drink or you you eat this dark drink. chocolate? Okay. What happens? Yeah, the polyphenols in this dark chocolate that we we know what they are. They're called proanthocyanidins. So I'm a scientist, so my job is to actually know what are what the inside chemicals actually are. Yes. These are natural chemicals. All right. Most people don't need to know that, but you drink it and it tastes good. That's all you need to know. But but I'll tell you these these natural chemicals found in cacao actually trigger a reaction in your body so that it, they call out the stem cells. So it is literally like bees flying out of a hive can double the number of stem cells. And what's the, what's the practical impact? Well, there was a study done uh, at UCSF in San Francisco that looked at 60 year old men with heart disease. So these are people whose blood vessels were already not doing so well and their blood flow wasn't going so well either. And their blood vessels were kind of sick. That's kind of the definition of heart disease. Mm -hmm. By having the stem cells coming out, they were able to actually double the resiliency, the function of their blood vessels. So they, they got better rebound, their better agility. Um, their, their blood vessels are in better shape because their stem cells are regenerating their circulation. Wow. So this is human studies, right? Like most, most of the time you hear about scientists talking about rats or mice or cells. I'm talking about human studies. And that's kind of where we are with food as medicine. It's not the kind of like the guesswork, like we can mm -hmm. do serious research to get down to exactly what's actually happening at the human level. So that's the second health defense okay. systems. Okay. Third one. Third one is our gut microbiome. Now, people have been talking about gut health and microbiome. It's almost like a buzzword these days. And people are saying, well, we can actually scoop your poop and we can actually measure your microbiome and we can tell you what you need to eat and what you don't need to eat. Again, I'm a scientist, so I will tell you that there are 39 trillion bacteria in, our, in the typical body. That's more stars than in a night sky, all right? Wow. So 
we barely understand uh, the gut bacteria, but what we do know is that this gut bacteria actually controls our metabolism, communicates with our brain, um, actually can help us heal from the inside out. And very importantly, our gut bacteria basically lives, if you, if you think of your gut like a, like a garden hose, mm -hmm. it's a tube, and you were to cut a garden hose in half and you look inside it, there's a lining, okay? Uh, the bacteria is inside the hose, but inside the wall of the garden hose, that's where your immune system, 70% of our immune system lives inside our gut. So our gut bacteria- 70%. So if, yeah. you're, so if you're feeding your gut a lot of bad foods, it's probably- You're, poison yeah. you're poisoning your immune system. You're wow. preventing your gut bacteria. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about the gut bacteria. Your gut bacteria talks to the immune system right through the walls of the of your gut. Immune system's in there, 70%, right? Like a jelly roll, like a like the jelly in a jelly roll, and the gut bacteria is inside. So think about like a college student in a freshman dorm. They are talking to their uh, roommate by pounding on the wall, right? What do you want? What kind of pizza do you want? <laughs> All right. And they can answer you. And that's basically what our gut bacteria says to our uh, our immune system. So we got to keep that gut healthy. By the way, interestingly, uh, and I've done research on this, um, certain gut bacteria uh, can actually signal to your brain. It's a gut and brain axis mm -hmm. and uh, cause your brain to release social hormones. Wow. Okay. And can affect your mood. So, you know, when you've got a crappy gut and you feel crummy in your gut, I guarantee you, like, it's not just because you're irritated, it's affecting your brain as well. That's crazy. So, yeah, we had uh, we had Dr. Emron uh, Mayer on, who has got the gut. I think it's the gut brain connection or the gut immune connection or something like that. So he's he's got a lot of great research on that. Yeah. So, well, the key thing though is that foods can actually help right size your gut health. Mm. Think about like an ecosystem, the Great Barrier Reef. So certain foods can support the ecology, the ecosystem, the Great Barrier Reef, and certain ones actually kill the coral, all right? right. And so our it continuously want to keep it in good shape all the way through our lives. And by the way, even uh, conditions like autism, Alz Alzheimer's, and schizophrenia are all now seemingly connected to our gut bacteria. Really? Yeah. Now, is there a way if someone has those, are they pretty easy to reverse though? Or is that hard? We're, we're, well, listen, we're, we're just figuring this out because right now, medically, we prescribe medications uh, to try to treat those things. And a lot of times those medications just blunt the symptoms. Okay, they cover up the symptoms. They don't get at the underlying cause. Now we don't know exactly how the gut bacteria communicates with the brain completely yet, but there's one giant nerve called the vagus nerve. It's like a giant shoe. It's about the thickness of a shoelace and it hangs from our brain all the way down into our gut. Mm. Okay. Goes right near, wraps around our esophagus on the way down. And our, we think the gut bacteria basically sends text messages up to the brain yes. through this big nerve. Okay. So the key though, is that foods can actually influence our gut bacteria, either good bacteria or bad bacteria. So that's important. Uh, so that's another, that's a third health defense system. Okay. Okay, so with the first, the, the antigenesis number one, yeah, yes. stem Second, cells number two, cells. gut microbiome number three. Okay, the fourth one, number four, our DNA. Now, if you watch CSI, 
DNA is just sort of like a genetic fingerprint, a code that you can find on a crime scene. Or if you're actually trying to do ancestry, look for your ancestors, you figure out how, how much of you is Neanderthal, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I think I was 1% Neanderthal <laughs> when I did it, yes. Uh, so the, the, the key though is it's, DNA is a lot more than our genetic code. It actually protects us from the environment. Now, what, am I, what do I mean by that? Well, you know how if we are exposed to, uh, uh, we get sunburn, ultraviolet light, you damage your DNA, and what happens? Cancer, skin cancer, right? Um, if you inhale lots of fumes from a chemical plant, it's going to actually damage your DNA in your lungs. You get lung cancer, right? But think about it. If you are in Los Angeles and you're driving on the I-10, or if you're actually um, uh, just walking on a beach, uh, uh, you are actually getting ultraviolet radiation. So how come we don't get skin cancer all the time? Because our DNA is hardwired mm. to fix itself mm. from damage. And so the DNA is a protective mechanism from the environment. I always tell people when you're pumping gas, if you still drive a gas vehicle as opposed to an EV, um, I always ask people, do you stand upwind or downwind? What, what do you do? Are you upwind or downwind? Do you know? I mean, up, up, uh, well, upwind, right? So you're not getting the, the fumes in. Is that what you mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, if you're standing downwind, you can smell the fumes, yes. right? And if you're smelling the fumes, you are poisoning the DNA in your lung. Mm -hmm. So how come we don't develop lung cancer after pumping gas? Because our DNA is hardwired to fix itself. And so our DNA is gotcha. sort of like a, self-defense mechanism against the environment, radon from your basement, okay? Off-gassing from the, from the new car you just got or the Uber that you're riding in, mm. you know, or the furniture that you got, right? So like, it, this, is, this is this incredible defense mechanism against our environment. And then, uh, and foods can actually speed up the repair, help fix holes that are in our DNA. And then the other kind of piece de resistance for our DNA's defense is that there's something called a telomere. I don't know if you've ever had anybody on your show talk about telomeres. Telomeres? Yeah. Yes. These are, these are. See if you're at the longer the telomere, the, the, the longer you can live or something. Or they can right. Well, well, I'll tell you basically what the, you know, like to, to give a, to remind you, to remind your listeners and viewers, basically if your DNA is like a shoelace, the telomere is like the little plastic cap at the end of the shoelace. Mm -hmm. And over time, that little cap kind of wears down, just yes. like on a shoelace. And you know, when, they, when that cap is gone, man, that your shoelace just falls apart. Yeah. And that's what happens to our DNA. So we need that cap. That's called the telomere. And it burns down like a life fuse. So you know, like Mission Impossible, like uh -huh. the fuse, right? So this thing is burning down. And when it burns down, that's it. Your cell's done. So what you want to do is to slow down your cellular aging. And harsh things that you do to your body, smoking cigarettes, being in a couch mm -hmm. potato, being exposed to damaging oxidative stress, actually just being stressed out um, like we are now with this friggin' pandemic. Um, those things all shorten our telomeres. They, they burn mm -hmm. the fuse faster. Stress. But yeah, but foods can slow it down and some foods can reverse it and lengthen the telomere which is wow. really cool for, from an aging perspective, right? What are those, what are those top three foods that help uh, lengthen the telomeres? Green tea is one of them. Coffee. I got it. Really? I got a, yeah, it's amazing. I got, I got a little, I used to live in Italy and I just got into this habit of drinking espresso. Uh, so I got a little cup here. 
Amazingly, coffee actually lengthens your telomere. Come on. I, I, I kid you wow. not. It's, it's quite amazing. Um, uh, and uh, leafy greens, some of the polyphenols and leafy greens can also um, slow down. And some of them actually look like they can lengthen the telomeres as well. So the wow. key thing is that we, you know, we are not just hapless pawns of aging. We can actually do something about it. And we can also fight against our environment um, because, look, the, the tax that we pay for being on planet Earth mm-hmm. is we're exposed to stuff yes. all the time. And we need to, we count on our body's health defenses to fix it. So that's a fourth defense. And our fifth defense is our immune system, which, you know, after two years, uh, over the last two years, we all know how important our immune system is. Mm-hmm. But what have I told you that your immune system is so powerful that when it's in its best shape, even when you're 80 years old, it is strong enough to fight cancer. In fact, it can even wipe out metastatic cancer that's spread all over your body. That's how strong your immune system is if you give it the chance. And so here's what the immune system does. It's like an army of super soldiers. So uh, rangers, seals, uh, you know, uh, uh, marines, special forces, they're all, they've all got, these are all parts of the immune system, all cells of the immune system. And like the special forces, they've got their own weapons, their own training, their own tactics, but they all work together for, you know, the collective good. And what happens is that uh, when you've got good, strong defenses, you can fight off invaders from the outside, bacteria and viruses, for example. And, but it's not just outside invaders. You've got inside invaders as well. And those little microscopic cancers are inside invaders. And so our mm. immune system patrols our body, okay? cops on a beat and they're looking for things that don't look right. And you see that microscopic cancer that is, it can't grow because it doesn't have a blood vessel, but blood vessels feeding it angiogenesis. Basically it, the immune system goes there and takes them right out. Okay. Wow. Uh, and takes a sniper shot and it's gone. And so that's why we got to protect our immune system. And there are lots of foods that can actually boost our immunity as well. What would you be those? What would be those top three that boost the immune system? One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over 6,000 metro stores nationwide
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Uh, blueberries are a food that definitely boosts the immune system. It's uh, in young people as well as older people. Uh, uh, they, they boost the natural killer cells, which is really cool. Um, broccoli sprouts mm. can boost our immune system. Now, these are the three-day old. Sprouts. These yeah. are like the three-day old sprouts, right? Okay. Um, okay. I mean, okay. Here's something. Here's something most people don't know. The big broccoli that when we eat broccoli. We really, you know, our moms told us to eat the treetops, right? Those, the, they're all the same. You go to the freezer section of a grocery store and you buy some frozen broccoli and they all look the same. They're all the same size. That's not really what broccoli looks like. If you go to the farmer's market and you see a, a, a real broccoli is this gigantic stem mm -hmm. with a little bit of treetop. Okay. <laughs> so what's in a broccoli? It's called sulforaphane. So that's what gives broccoli that unique taste of broccoli it's a little sulfurous okay so you got to put a little olive oil a little bit of garlic <laughs> you know and you can uh, saute it up okay yeah. so the sulforaphanes we've done research now looking at what what's in the treetops and it turns out that these sulforaphanes can starve cancer anti-angiogenic really? help help your body cut off the blood supply to cancer broccoli treetops have it but guess what the stock of the broccoli has twice as much of the good stuff than the treetops eat the stalks eat the stalks so man like if you don't want to eat if you don't want to saute the stalks like a lot of cultures will just cut the stalks and saute them stick it in a blender you can make it into a smoothie or make a soup out of it mm -hmm. you know and so there's a lot of good things you can do put a little broccoli stem little oregano powder right. you know you can do lighter light it right up a little turmeric it'll be really good um a smoothie or a, a soup however here's the thing so this imagine this adult broccoli having these sulforaphanes. Well, it turns out that these big broccoli plants used to be sprouts. And the sprouts pretty much were born or sprouted from the seed with all the sulforaphanes it's ever gonna have. Mm -hmm. All right, so when it gets bigger, it just gets distributed with the stock closer to the ground having more of it, of course. But the broccoli sprouts have 100 times more wow. of the sulforaphanes, the good stuff, as a grown-up broccoli. So sprouts, broccoli sprouts. Now, studies have been done to show that if you give people a flu shot, people in the winter should get a flu shot so you don't get the flu, all right? Uh, just go to your drugstore to get one. Uh, turns out that if you, uh, people, are, they did a study looking at uh, people getting the flu shot and they gave half the people a little shake made with broccoli sprouts and the other group just got a placebo. And the people who got the broccoli sprout shake and the flu shot, their beneficial response of their immune system is 22 times higher. Huh. Like it totally rocked if they actually had um, a, a broccoli sprout shake. So that's wow. not food versus medicine. That is food and medicine, which is really cool. Blood sugar management or control is one of the key factors of either being healthy or potentially linking to one of these other, I guess, diseases. Is that right? 
That's right. Yeah. And and what it really comes down to, which kind of gets at your question of what is metabolism, um, metabolism is fundamentally the way that we make energy okay. in the body. So we eat food and, you know, food has, um, you know, fat and glucose in it and either fat or glucose, glucose is sugar, can be used to convert into a type of energy that our cells can use, which is called ATP. So we take in this substrate, but we have to convert it through our mitochondria in our cells to a form of energy we can use, right. a currency that our body understands and can use. That process of conversion is metabolism. And this is happening in every single one of the 37 trillion cells in our body. And it has to work properly. So break, break it down for me then. Fat or glucose, uh, or I guess carbohydrates, enters the body through the foods we're eating, right? Yep. What happens after that? How, how is it processed in the body, through the cells, through the mitochondria? How is it processed? Yeah, so looking at carbohydrates, for instance, um, they go into our digestive tract, they're broken down and absorbed into the bloodstream, broken down into simple sugars um, like glucose and fructose. Um, these go into the bloodstream, and let's say we're talking about glucose, which is blood sugar. This signals to the body, um, particularly an, uh, an organ called the pancreas, to release insulin, which is a hormone. That hormone allows you to take that sugar out of the bloodstream through the cell membrane into the cell. Once it's inside the cell, um, it's broken down even further and then goes into the mitochondria uh, to be go through a chemical processing that then creates ATP, which is this molecule that can be then used to essentially power all the millions of cellular processes that are happening every second. So yeah. ATP is the power, the is power. the fuel? It's the fuel, it's the battery in our body. Okay, and so the way it's processed is it's based on the foods we eat, whether it be fat or sugar that comes through, does that determine how the quality of the energy or what does that mean within, is it all equally the same when it converts an ATP or? Well, I think the way to think about it is to really focus on the mitochondria. Okay. This is the energy factory of the cell. This is the powerhouse of the cell. And the thing that people really need to understand is that our diet and our lifestyle in the modern Western world, so past 50 to 100 years, so much of it is actually damaging the mitochondria of our cell and creating problems in that conversion process. So for instance, when we eat too much sugar, okay, and these days the average American is eating a lot of sugar. Like a hundred times more than we were like a hundred years ago into the rest of human history. It's <sighs> yeah. like this massive overload of this substrate. What that does is it causes stress on the mitochondria and creates damage. And one analogy I sometimes use is like imagine you had a factory that was making something like like cheese. And like all of a sudden you get like a hundred times more of like the raw product, like milk delivered to the factory. The, the workers would be like, we don't know where to put this. We can't work. Like they go on strike. There's nowhere to store it. There's no refrigerators. It would all go bad. All of a sudden you actually produce less cheese, even though you have more substrate, you know? Interesting. And so it's like, we are giving so much of the substrate to the body that it's gumming up the system. It's breaking down the factory and creating problems. And the molecular way this is happening is that each time you have these glucose spikes from eating these refined products or added sugars, your body's releasing more of that insulin. It's saying, okay, more glucose in the bloodstream, so we have to produce more insulin to get it out of the bloodstream. And over time, the body sees all this insulin circulating, and it's like, we can't bring more of this into the cell. There's too much. Wow. And so it actually puts up a block, which is called insulin resistance, which is that 
cellular process that leads you towards problems like diabetes. And so what's happening now is the body- And that's why you're storing fat or you're storing other dead cells that you don't need to keep in the body, I guess, right? Or right, because insulin is the signal saying tons of glucose around for energy, so we don't need to burn fat for energy. So insulin is also a block on fat burning. So it's this chemical signal uh -huh. saying too much glucose around, blocking it from getting into the cell, and also telling the body not to burn fat. So of course, for people who are dealing with um, trouble losing weight, insulin is the hormone we a hormone we really, really okay. need to be um, thinking about. And so we, we reduce our insulin sensitivity. Um, now we have lots of uh, glucose circulating in the bloodstream, but it's not able to efficiently get into the cell. And, um, and then you've got all these other things that can hurt our mitochondria. And, and really a mitochondria energy-centric view of health can really help us. Some other things that can hurt the mitochondria are oxidative stress. So I know you talked about this a little mm -hmm. bit on the podcast with David Perlmutter, but um, aside from glucose, eating too much fructose, so this comes with like sodas or fruit juice or things that have really high concentration of fructose, it's not going to actually stimulate insulin in the way that glucose does, but what it does is it goes into the cell and it's converted into something called uric acid. Mm -hmm. And that uric acid creates oxidative stress, which is sort of this sort of damaging reactive molecule in the mitochondria and creates mitochondrial damage. So now, again, you've got more trouble processing energy through mitochondria. Environmental toxins are actually a huge problem as well. They can directly damage the machinery of the mitochondria. So we're thinking about things like pesticides and a lot of the fragrances in our personal care mm. products and a lot of the, the you know fragrances and chemicals in our home care products. Mm -hmm. These things actually go into our bodies, damage our mitochondria, make it difficult to produce energy um, effectively. Chronic stress can damage our mitochondria sure. through cortisol and through our stress hormones. So. It's, it's interesting to think about how all these different aspects of modern life fundamentally feed down into damaging this precious part of our cell that creates energy. And when we have- The mitochondria. The mitochondria. And when we have problems creating energy in our body, this can happen in any cell type. Again, 37 trillion cells, you know, dozens of organs in the body. Where this is showing up most prominently in the body is where you're gonna see symptoms. And this is why metabolic dysfunction and blood sugar dysregulation can look like so many different things. It can masquerade as so many different symptoms. And in the conventional system, we see those all as separate. But when we think about it as, this is actually just where a fundamental core problem is showing up in different cell types. Um, and so if you can address that, you can potentially kind of melt a lot of things away. So just as some concrete examples, if metabolic dysfunction is showing up in the blood vessels, well, if it's sort of most prominently showing up in the penis, that could look like erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. If it's happening in the heart, it could look like you know heart disease. Uh -huh. um, if it's happening in the liver, it could look like fatty liver disease. If it's happening in the ovaries, it could look like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is the leading cause of infertility in the United States, which uh -huh. is a metabolic problem. Um, and if it's happening in the brain, it could look like Alzheimer's dementia. And so it's got all these different faces, mm. but fundamentally is rooted in a core dysfunction in how our body is converting food to energy. Mm. And, and a lot of that has to do with this chronic overnutrition, overloading our cells with too much to process, gumming up these systems, um, and then the many other lifestyle factors like toxins, stress, sleep deprivation, um, and sedentary behavior that can also hurt the mitochondria. Right, so blood sugar management and metabolism management, is that right? Mm -hmm. So the main things we should be thinking yeah. about? How does blood sugar and metabolism work together? 
Yeah. So, so the way that those sort of things link up is that if your blood sugar is quite erratic, like let's say it's going up and down in big spikes and every day. Yeah. You're having lots of sugar. You're yeah. You're just eating poorly. You're stressed. You're overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and the majority of foods on the shelves in our grocery stores now have added sugar, like well over 60%. So it's not unusual for an American to be on that blood sugar roller coaster up, down, up, down, up, down. And that's called glycemic variability. Mm-hmm. And that process of glycemic variability is very damaging to our metabolism through the through the mechanisms you know, we spoke about of causing insulin resistance by stressing the body to make too much insulin over and over. But that those high blood sugar spikes in their own right um, can cause damage as well. When your blood sugar acutely goes really high, like after eating a Pop-Tart or eating a pastry or something like that, or a big bowl of pasta, that spike can lead to inflammation. It can lead to oxidative stress um, because of the way that it's overwhelming our systems and creating free radicals. It can also cause a, a process called glycation, mm. which is where sugar sticks to things in the body. Um, and so if you, if you can imagine, if your concentration of blood sugar is really high, it's kind of going to just stick to things right. more, like your blood vessels and proteins. And that's not good. That, that, that's like a signal for the body that something's wrong. And so um, all of these things kind of coalesce to just creating problems. So the more that we can minimize our glycemic variability and go from spikes and valleys to more gentle rolling mm. hills the better we are, the better we're going to basically be treating uh, our cells. And it's not just um, it's not just the sort of like cellular optimization we're trying to do, it's also the way you, you feel. I think a lot of us have had that experience where we have a really high carb meal, a big dessert, and we feel like we kind of have a crash afterwards. It's like that post-meal crash, we feel lethargic, like we may need to have another cup of coffee or or even feel jittery after mm-hmm. it, like a big high carb meal. Um, that's we really understand how that works. The body sees a huge load of glucose from a high carb meal. The body then surges out that insulin, mm-hmm. overcompensates, soaks up all that glucose, and you crash. And in that crash state is when we feel fatigue. It's potentially some anxiety, and it's when people usually feel cravings. So by learning, you want more. When you you want more to bring yourself back up because you've kind of crashed and then you're on the vicious cycle. And I think the majority of American bodies are on that cycle because you think about what we eat. It's like breakfast, it's cereal, juice, toast, Mm. Pop-Tarts, pastries, you know, sweetened coffee beverages. That's all refined sugar and refined grains. Then you go to lunch and it's bread, tortillas, wraps, chips, you know, all of that stuff. And then you go to dinner, pasta, potatoes, whatever. And then it's, and then it's dessert. And it's like, if you're not, if you're just going along the normal American cultural treadmill of what's normal to eat, you're on a glucose roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And that means that your day might be highly labile in terms of the energy, uh, mood, performance, cravings. And so learning just simple ways to, to balance out that glucose roller coaster can be an amazing life hack and really a superpower for essentially getting your day under better mm-hmm. control, making you feel better in the moment. Yes. How much does alcohol, smoking, or marijuana, or psychedelics actually affect lifespan? Do we have enough research on this? Well, we do on, on tobacco smoking. There's obviously, yes. it's very clear that's a decade off your life. And what's interesting is that what we're learning about these various things that you can do to hurt yourself or to protect yourself 
is that what's happening is that your body is aging at a different rate. So smokers, you can measure it, are older biologically than people who've never smoked. And it's why they look older too. Wow. We yeah. can measure that now. In my lab, if I took your blood, I could tell you how old you are biologically, not just your chronological I want to do that. I saw you post this on Instagram that you're like 46. Is that right? Or you're 42 uh, or what is it? I went down to, what was it, 44, I think, okay, or 42. 44. It, it yeah. bounces around, but it's usually a decade younger than I That's what cool. I cool. So, so what do you do? You take your, a blood sample, like, and yeah. then you what? So measure the, the blood? There's two ways of doing it. Uh, there's one company that I advise called Inside Tracker, and that's what I use. I've often. had that too. Yeah, you've done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they come to your home, or you, you donate, and, and then you get this uh, this readout of, I think it's 40 different parameters, mm-hmm. and they use an algorithm and tell you how old you are. So I'm 42 or something like that. I'm on the I'm in the top two percent of people from my age for youthfulness. So no, I'm, another, I'm happy with just that. Just dusted off a little brag over there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you better be if you're researching this. And the top scientists in the world on this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like to brag. That's not what Australians right. and scientists do. <laughs> but what I, I, I do want to say is I use my body as a, an experiment. Yeah. And try to be a role model. Mm-hmm. And I've been optimizing my lifestyle for 20 years now mm-hmm. based on this b- feedback from Inside Tracker for the last 12, 13 years. Wow. And you can see the graphs of things going out of the optimal zone. And then I make a change based on science and it comes back or even better. So we know from smokers that their biological age is older when they smoke, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Well, that's one test. The Inside Tracker test is what I do routinely every few months. But there's a new type of test that my colleagues um, and in, in my lab we've developed. It's called the DNA methylation test. It's also known as the Horvath test, named after my friend Stephen Horvath at UCLA. The way to think of this is, if you've ever heard of the epigenome, uh-huh, I've heard of that. these are the, the control systems that control our DNA. It turns out that that system you can measure. Uh, it's chemicals on your DNA that change over time predictably. And we've just developed a way to measure that 100 times cheaper than it was before. Mm. And uh, I'm going to bring this test to the public so That's that cool. people can test their biological At age. home or something? Or? It should be a cheek swab. That's what we're developing. So you don't have to prick or take blood or anything. You do a cheek swab. Exactly. And then you ship it in or something? Or? Yeah, you'll post it in. And then you get, hopefully just a week later or less, Here's your credit score for your body. Well, that's cool. And then even better, here's how do you how do you slow it down or reverse it based on everything we know about you. Wow, that's and we'll, cool. We'll take you on that journey. So do this, eat this, swallow this. That is cool. I gotta take that test. Yeah. Well, you can get on the wait list if you want. Okay. Uh, where where uh, there, there's a website because we are uh, taking names right now. We may do some studies with early adopters too. That's cool. What's uh, where's the so wait list? So it's for that? called Tally. T-A-L-L-Y, tallyhealth.com. And uh, the reason I'm excited about it is it's very hard to focus on what works because we have no idea. You exercise, you hope that it's good. Yeah. Is it too much, too little? If I eat this, does it help me? Uh, we need a dashboard for our bodies, and that's what, that's what these give you. That is really cool. Okay, so we know that smoking makes you age biologically. That's why it makes you look older, smoking. What about drinking alcohol? We've talked about wine and the, the the substance in wine that could be supportive, but alcohol in general, does that affect biological age and aging? 
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Well, it's all, it all depends on quantity. Gotcha. Uh, one glass a day, most doctors would say, especially if it's red wine, it's fine. And the alcohol actually can help with cut the cardiovascular system, mm. reduces uh, bad cholesterol, and more importantly, raises the, the good cholesterol, HDL. This is for red wine. Uh, and the alcohol in white wine does a little bit of good too. Okay. But, but beer. So beer will raise the levels of uric acid, which is a breakdown product of, uh, a protein breakdown product that you can pee out. Um, but if you have too much beer and other types of food that contain a lot of this type of protein, you will raise your uric acid level. So why does that matter? Mm-hmm. It's being becoming very clear that if you have high uric acid levels, your body will age faster. We just had uh, Dr. David Perlmutter on. Exactly. Who has a book about uric acid, talking yeah. about like this is one of the, the root causes of Poor health yeah. and aging faster and things like that. So well, al- alcohol, you talked to him a lot? Yeah, yeah. I actually was, was uh, one of the first people to read his book before it came out. Yeah, it's really I, good. It, it blew my mind. Uh, yeah. I now measure my uric acid levels. You can get little test strips. Uh, you can just buy pee them on it. usual. You just pee on it? No, you, 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 you it? spit on it and 10 <laughs> seconds later you see, you see your uric levels. acid levels. Yeah. And so the, the lower the level, the better. Right. The higher the level means there's risk for what? everything according to David it's really bad for cancers and heart disease mainly but uh, I, I think he's right that it's a, it's a sign of of accelerated aging the higher the uric level the faster you're going to be aging yeah and a larger con- amount of consumption of alcohol specifically beer I'm hearing raises that level beer in particular has beer a lot particular. of the chemicals in it that will raise uric acid unfortunately and, th- and that's from David Pomari he gave me a list of foods. I saw so beer on there. Like, oh, that's now. Is is there any benefit to beer in biology in science? Is it help you improve the quality of your health? Your is your brain get better? Does your your body, your system get better? Does it make you younger at all? Or are there no benefits to beer biologically and in your brain? There are benefits because there's alcohol in there, and a little bit of alcohol is good for your cardiovascular system. But, but there's other things that's good for your cardiovascular system sure. too, right? That you yeah. don't that you don't need. That. So beer on the on the list of alcohols is at the bottom for health, Got uh, it. mostly, unless it's full of sugar, uh, you know, like those very sweet wines. I think would be a problem. But beer does have a lot of vitamin uh, B, B group vitamins, B three, tons of it. But uh, you can get that good. in other ways too. You can. So <laughs> what can you do? I mean, you got to live as well. Right, right. I, I, I don't you. prescribe yes. a life that's that's 
prolonging and feels longer. You know, you've uh, got to live a little. Right, right. Enjoyment, the enjoyment yeah. of the richness of life, yeah. Right, though I am trying not to drink alcohol these days. Uh, I've never been drunk in my life. Yeah, amazing. Never been drunk. I don't find it amazing because I just never found the, the, the des- I never had the desire to do it. I never, saw, I like tasted some when I was 16 and I was like, I don't understand why I would ever drink this. Plus it was also for me, maybe that's one of the reasons in your mind, I look younger, I look like I haven't aged more, is because I found it as a an advantage in sports when everyone else was drinking. I was like, oh, it's weakening their immune system, it's making them slower mm-hmm. mentally. This will give me an edge in athletics. They were hungover after games in practice, and I was like, I'm gonna be sharp. And so I just kept on with it. I was like, this is just going to make me sharper. Mm. Now, I have my other vice. I use you know, sugar in other ways as my vice, so uh, uh. I'm not perfect. But um, does alcohol make you look older, too? In excess. In yeah. excess, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit every day is, is okay, a little bit. But little most bit. doctors, um, like physicians, would say if you overdo it, you, you will age. And actually what, what you do as a researcher is you look at people who live a long time and compare them to either their twin, which has been done, or family members. Interesting. Yeah, and actually how you live your life has a massive impact on how long you live. There's a twin study. They took identical twins, genetically identical, uh, in Denmark, and they said, okay, let's look at them through their life. And there were massive differences in how they looked and how how long they lived. And when they went back to see what the causes were, they could figure out, First of all, that 80% of their lifespan was determined by how they lived, not their genetics. You mean the way they felt about themselves, the people they hung out with, their environment, the activities they took on, or what do you mean? Well, mostly their lifestyle, what they ate, did okay. they smoke, did they drink, did they exercise. Those did they sleep things. well, all that stuff. Right. right. Okay. And those that did all the good things, the same genetics, twins, born the same day, one could live 10 years longer than the other. Now, this is what I'm curious about. Were these twins hanging out all the time? Or were they, because usually when you're hanging out with someone all the time, you pick up the similar habits, right? You pick up a similar lifestyle habit as your parents, as your partner, and you kind of eat the same things. It's really hard to be like, I'm going to drink every day and I'm not going to drink every day if you're living together and in the same room, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I wonder that, how that is. Yeah. Maybe they, they got separated at birth or something. Interesting. Uh, but it does tell you a lot. The, the fact that 80% of our future health is in our own hands is, is liberating. That's really cool. Because often we think, ah, oh, it's not going to make a big difference. It really makes a big difference how you live your life every day. Focus on that. And one thing that I do is I look at my future self and I ask myself, what's that guy saying to me today if he could speak to me? What's he saying? Please don't eat that. Exactly. Please right? don't drink that anymore. You had enough. Like, you're going to hurt me in 10 yes, years. Yes, that's how you need to think about it. It's coaching yourself 10, 20, 30 years out. Right. It's interesting, I asked David Perlmutter, I said, what are some things you wish you would have done young, sooner to improve the quality of your health? And he was like, flossing. He was like, <laughs> he's like I, and I didn't, I didn't go deeper into that, but I remember him saying that. And I was like, there's wisdom in whatever it is. Maybe he had some gum issues or something he had to deal with at one point that was really affecting him for a year or two. I don't know, I'm just making this up. But if he can go back, he'd be like, I wish you would have done this better. So I didn't have to suffer later. Right? Yeah. What are the things you've done or you're doing now that your 10-year-old self will be so happy for? Like if he was in front of you right now, he'd just be hugging you and high-fiving you nonstop. The things you're doing that he will appreciate in 10 years. And then what are a few things 
that he's gonna say, man, I really wish you wouldn't do that right now. Oh yeah, okay. All right, so um, let's see. So, I'm, so I, I measure myself so I can speak scientifically, not just that mm-hmm. it makes me feel good. Uh, it's the, the one meal, one main meal a day. He would be grateful for. I'm sure of it. And, and as a result, I'm leaner and uh, you know, more ripped. Uh, I hate you to look, say that word. You look lean. I am lean. You look really lean. Uh, I've gone shredded. over the last two years from 150 pounds to 133. Yeah, you look leaner even from when I, the first time I had you on. Your face is leaner and chiseled. Yeah, I've, I don't think I can lose any, I want to lose any more. Yeah. I, mean, I need to go back to the gym and do a little yeah. bit more. Um, so the one meal a day, but you weren't doing one meal a day, what, five, ten years ago? No, I only started during the pandemic. Um, yeah, this is new for me too. It's hard actually, when you begin, Very hard. you feel hungry because you've got those crashes that make you really hungry and you've got this um, hormone called ghrelin that makes you hungry. But once you get through that, it takes about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So anyone who, who tries it, make sure that you don't give up early, just power through and then mm-hmm. you, your liver will wake up. One main meal a day. So that's one. Um, the other thing I, I think that he will be happy is don't eat sugary foods. Yeah, don't, don't eat that cake. Mm. So at, at a restaurant, when they said you want dessert, I always say no, but then I'm hoping that someone at the table so orders what bite. I want. <laughs> yeah, I, that's all, but that's all, you, all I need. Right. I need to taste right. it. I don't right. need to fill myself with a cake. Gotcha. Because um, you still want to enjoy your life and live a full life, but yeah. you don't want to, in 10 years, be like, why do they eat cake every day? It's not worth it. Yeah. Really. Uh, your future self will thank you for it. Mm. Um, Lifting weights, I know you do that, so I, I need to do more of that. I, I got a standing desk, uh, so most of the day I'm standing, which is great. Again, you have to get used to it. You'll feel tired for the first few weeks. Yes. Uh, your legs will. Uh, I'm now mostly focused on eating plants. I mean, mm-hmm. When did I you start that, that? That's recently. Uh, eating mostly plants. Yeah, I've switched. I, I love meat. I wish that I could eat more. But you just got to look at the science. There's some really good studies of thousands of people who just look at how long people live and what they eat. And, I mean, it's not even an argument. But there's so many people that bring in the argument, well, all these people have cured these diseases or whatever, you know, gotten rid of these things from meat only. And But people make the argument, right? Like you see it online, people making the argument for meat, meat, meat. So how, where are they finding these research studies of people living longer on an only meat diet? Uh, I don't know. But know. you're not seeing them. You're not seeing studies of anyone that lives over 100 that all they do is eat meat. Well, there might be one person or two, but right, right. when you look at 10,000 people, what they eat, it's, uh, it's the vegan and, and the pescatarian that win out. In the blue zones, right. Yeah, and, and the, the numbers are something like that. You, you drop it down to, you've got 88% less chance, or actually it's, it's 12% chance for most diseases. So most diseases are protected by these diets. Really? Wait a minute, 80% less chance of what? Uh, of dying at any one point in the age range of the study, which, oh, wow. which is... Uh, you know, by, by, eat, by being a pescatarian. Yeah, yeah. So it's vegan, pescatarian, those are the best. Then above that would be... Um, actually, pescatarian was better than vegetarian. A little bit of meat seemed to help, but it has to be fish. Mm-hmm. And With then, the omega-3s in there, right? Yeah, and, and particularly uh, oleic acid's good which is found in avocados and olive oil. Uh, that activates one of the protective enzymes that we study in the lab. Which acid? Oleic, O-L-E-I-C. What is some of that, but not a lot of it's that? It's a right? monounsaturated fatty acid or MUFA. 
Uh, if you have a bit of olive oil, um, there's a supplement online that I get that has high levels of oleic acid in it that I take every day. Okay, cool. With the DHA and EPA, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. all that good stuff. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's my that's my fish intake is a pill. You don't eat fish, or you eat very little. Well, you know, I'm evolving my mm-hmm. my diet. So I've, I've I've gone from a Mediterranean diet over the last ten years to the last two three months to all plant based, wow. no dairy, and yeah, no meat. And I'm just seeing what happens to my body. I'm measuring things. It's an experiment. Yes. It's not a philosophy. And if things don't work out biologically, I'll go back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd love to go back to a steak. I'm Australian after all. (laughs) But, you know, I'm I'm driven by science. And that's all it is. Yeah. Okay. So you got these four. Was there another thing that your future self would thank you for? One meal a day. Don't eat sugary foods. That's going to be one of the most challenging for me. Lifting weights. Eating mostly plants. Was there anything else? Get control over psychological stress. Oh, yeah. Why is this so important? Well, the, the main problem is you have high levels of cortisol when you're stressed out psychologically. And it, it's clear that people who have high levels of, really high levels of stress uh, are chronically ill. Mm. And even it accelerates gray hair. That's actually a fact. It's not just a myth. You really are getting older if you have stress. Really? So the yeah. scientifically proven that if you're stressed out all the time or more frequently you're gonna get older biologically correct wow yeah yeah and can and, you and reverse gray hair without uh, you, dyes uh yes really well not routinely but there are examples of that um there are uh some drugs that have shown in the clinic that, that make hair go gray uh, from gray to brown the, the the best example i can tell you is that that when people are stressed out, let's say they're in, they're in the banking world and they're, they're losing their minds, um, you can find hairs that start to turn gray. Okay, so you look at them and they're a little bit gray at the bottom. Oh, good, I'm turning gray, okay. Then they get given a vacation and they go away for a couple of weeks. And guess what happens to the hair shaft? It gets brown. It's brown again. Come on. You can find these gray-brown segments of hair. Interesting. In people. Yeah. And what they, they tracked it down huh. to was that the cells that make the hair pigment start to shut down, but they can be reinvigorated. But I suspect once you've been gray for a number of years, it's really hard to reverse It's hard to, to reverse that, yeah. Yeah, so but, but you know, I'm, I'm the first person to say aging is, is not unidirectional. In my lab, we're driving it forwards and backwards at will. It's not That's really difficult anymore once you figure it out. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis House. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness Newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com slash newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.